Hello and welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast, a podcast where we talk about the blacklisters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. I'm your host, Bill Banton. Along with me on this journey, revisiting 80s movies, is my co-host, Jason Masek. Hello, Jason. Hello, Bill Bant. Bill, I'm ecstatic. I'm thrilled about today's episode because we have not one, not three, but two. Two guests. We have Jeff Johnson and Brad Kozo joining us from... A film by podcast. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you, and uh, it is great to be here, Jason and Bill. Yes, thank you for my invitation to the Kumite. Jeff and Brad, thanks so much for being here. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and the A Film by Podcast? Uh, I would say Brad and I, uh, our story, uh, we met in high school. Uh, we went to rival high schools, but we met at a uh, at a job. Uh, we bonded quickly over our love of uh, cinema and Van Halen. And, uh, over the years, uh, just found this shorthand speak of just speaking in movie quotes, much to the uh, chagrin of uh, a lot of our friends and family, but you know, it's paid off, right, Brad? Oh yeah. Yeah. We can pretty much do an entire conversation in just movie quotes. I'd say the podcast got started when it was the beginning of COVID and me and my wife, you know, constantly talk to Jeff on the phone, but during COVID, it seemed to be every night we were talking in these hour conversations and then turned into talking about movies back and forth and stuff like that. My wife finally said, you guys need to just record this instead of doing this thing every night because I think people could he- would listen to you if you guys just put it on. And we're like, why don't we? And we just did a little research on it and realized we're like, we can do this. And then we tried to think of something kind of different that we could do. And then we came up with the idea of, underrated movies by contemporary directors. So we'd have a big director that we talk about and usually one of their movies that maybe wasn't as good or was good, but we just didn't hear about it. And that's how it turned out. And that was three years ago. Wow. Very cool. Very cool, gentlemen. Uh, Yeah, I just want to say a big fan of a film by. I have listened to you on our uh, Friends in Commons podcast, if that's even a phrase. Surely you can't be serious. You guys have killed it on their podcast and vice versa. So uh, we are honored and it's a privilege to have you as guests. And I just, yeah, wanted to thank you for sharing. But here's the simple fact, guys. We need to know more. Gotta know more. We came up with a list of rapid fire questions to ask you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Ready. Excellent. What was the first movie you ever saw in the theater? Jeff, you first. I'll go first. I'll say it was actually The Drive-In, and it was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, nice. Hell yeah. What I can remember of the first, like, full film, uh, I talked about it on a Star Wars episode on Docking Bay 77 that I kind of remember images of The Empire Strikes Back, but kind of similar to Jeff, I remember it was just me and my dad. We went and saw opening weekend, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And both me and my father were looking at each other and going, this is pretty nasty. But that was one of the first, like, real fun ones I remember. Just me and my dad, you know, just going and catching a matinee of the opening weekend of Temple of Doom, and it was great. That's awesome, monkey brains. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a quick review of the last movie you saw that wasn't for your own podcast? I recently watched Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. This movie is just a mind-bending Awesome flick, and uh, I hope it cleans up at the uh, at the Oscars. Uh, the most recent film that I think I saw was uh, Tar. 
huge fan of Todd Field, but not my favorite Todd Field film. I, I uh, really liked In the Bedroom and Little Children, but Tar was uh, not up to snuff, I thought. But, I mean, good performance by Kate Blanchett, but uh, nothing compares to those first two films of his. Great answers. Yeah, I have not seen everything everywhere. However, I did see Tar. It took me two nights. However, yeah. I tend to agree with you, Brad. I'm not going to go on too long about Tar, but from a technical perspective, it's quite brilliant. But content, you know, mileage may vary. Next question. What is your go-to snack food for when watching a movie? Hey, I'm one of those guys that likes to dump candy into the popcorn. And the only candy of choice for me would be peanut M&M's. Dump it into the bucket of popcorn and uh, and let's get going. Yeah, never thought of that. To me, it's Twizzlers, not Red Vines, and popcorn. And usually some kind of soda. A little bit of salt, a little bit of sweetness, a little bit of soda every time. Great stuff. I don't, Bill, have I mentioned this before that I had an ex-girlfriend that liked to put jalapeno juice in her popcorn? Uh, uh, no, that's a first. Oh, God. Yeah, add a little spice instead of the sweetness. Gentlemen, who is your favorite actor and or actress? I'm going to go with current favorites, and I would say Michael B. Jordan and Anna Taylor-Joy. Love their work uh, recently, and uh, can't wait to see what they got coming out next. Um, for me, kind of cliche, but Marlon Brando. I, I mean, the guy just, there, there are people that are just given gifts on knowing how to do it. He knew how to do it. And I'll watch anything that basically Kate Winslet is in. She never disappoints whether it's uh, you know whether she's the hero or the damaged girl in it she always delivers i can't argue with that and finally what is your favorite movie of all time without question i have to say rocky without question for me and anybody that knows me knows this it is 1993's true romance I love that movie from the first time that I saw it. And every time I watch it, it gets better and better. It's my favorite Tarantino script. It's my favorite Tony Scott film. It has everything. There's nothing that movie doesn't have. Great, great answers, guys. Uh, I'm just going to say real quick, Brad, it's funny because we have a friend in common, uh, Bill and I, that is uh, Patrick J. Duty, who was a guest host on a previous episode. And he literally just texted me the other day. He just simply texted, you want me to suck his dick? <laughs> immediately replied no 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 who the fuck is dick he's like oh who the fuck is uh, such an awesome movie <laughs> but hey yeah, jeff, bill, go for it bill go i knew you were gonna chime no in. i was gonna say jeff we're just uh movie blood brothers because i was born in philadelphia so that's oh, that's part of the okay. lexicon you have to be a rocky fan i love that movie even to this day every time i watch it, it still makes me cry when he does that speech in the bed with Adrian saying he's not going to win this fight. He's just got to go the distance. I start tearing up like a baby. Yeah, it's a great drama. It's a great sports movie. It's a great love story. It's got everything, I think. And uh, Bill, I got to tell you, it, it's on my bucket list. I will run those steps uh, one day. I plan to get to Philly to just, just to do that. Oh, yeah. I just want somebody to come in to my apartment as I'm sitting there eating Chinese food in a leopard skin uh, robe with just my boxers on and dreadlocks, you know, one bad eye, you know, and just taunt them. That's my dream. <laughs> uh, Sad. But so far, I've only gotten to uh, Floyd status. So I haven't <laughs> gotten yeah. the Drexel status. So. Get some cleaning products. Some great answers, gentlemen. Uh, so let's get to it. What 80s movies did you choose for us to discuss today? So Brad or Jeff, who wants to take this one? I'll take it. 
We are going to be talking about 1988's film Bloodsport, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme, Donald Gibb, Leah Aris, Forrest Whitaker, directed by Newt Arnold, and written by Sheldon Littich, Christopher Cosby, and Mel Friedman. The film was nominated for one award, for one Razzie, for Worst Newcomer for Jean-Claude Van Damme. And that is the only award that that film had ever received. I'd like to point out, though, it did almost make the AFI's 2000 Top 100 Most Heart-Pounding American Movies. Really? It was one of 400 uh, nominees, and it, it did fall short of the Top 100, but it was was in the conversation. Awesome. Excellent choice. So what is this movie about? What's on the box? If you grew up in the 1980s and went to your local video store to rent this movie, you would find this description on the back of the VHS box. It is What's on the Box. Take it away, Jason. Are you a martial arts fan? An action fan? Then you'll be a Bloodsport fan, too. Bloodsport is the movie that takes you where few have ever gone, inside the hidden Hong Kong arena where elite combatants clash in the Kumite, the little-known but hotly contested world championship of full-contact fighting. No Westerner has ever won the single elimination battle royale tournament until the arrival of an iron-willed American. His name? Frank Dukes. His story? Bloodsport. A thrilling true-life triumph of bedrock courage, uncanny skill, and unflinching loyalty. Starring as Dukes, that's Dukes as in put him up, is Jean-Claude Van Damme. A handsome strongman previously cast as a villain in No Retreat, No Surrender. Van Damme's first headlining role is perfect for his appealing mix of physique, charm, and martial arts expertise. Perfect, too, is the film's colorful gallery of supporting players. Donald Gibb is Dukes' pal, a beefy beer-swigging warrior. Leah Ayers is the moxie reporter, determined to file a story on the secret championship that's like a cockfight except with people. And veteran actor Roy Chow is the ailing mentor Dukes has vowed to honor with a kumite victory. Bloodsport pulses with the excitement of one-on-one -on -one competition and the drive of a man who refuses to lose. Because when Van Damme's Dukes steps onto the mat... Bloodsport isn't just a sport. It's a war. Bloodsport. Now, is that the back of the box, literally? Right. <laughs> I don't know if you made that up or if that was the back of the box. I'm like, Jesus, that's a huge part of the box. Hell yeah. So, Jeff or Brad, uh, please let us know why you chose Bloodsport. I mean, we, obviously, we were excited when you guys extended the invitation to to be on all of these movies podcasts, uh, you know we're big fans of uh, of of your show. Uh, we've been following it. Obviously, you know with our our limited series we did for '86, I was like, man, these guys they get to do all the '80s. I'm I'm jealous. But uh, I told Brad, I was like, hey, we they're kind of giving us like a an option here. Like, you know, we're gonna choose something that we like. Bloodsport made the short list because uh, guys our age, like you know, growing up, TBS always had that. Movies for guys who like movies and, and they always played these macho eighties cheesy movies that I just, I fell in love with. So, you know, and Brad and I, like, this is one of ours, like over the, the last couple of years of over the last couple of decades, we've been like, you know, it's two o'clock in the morning. Well, let's get a pizza. Mm -hmm. Let's watch blood sport. Let's go to the Kumite. You know? So for us, we just knew it'd be a fun time right. discussing it with you guys. How about Brad, how about you? I mean, I was 11 years old when the film came out. You hadn't seen Jean-Claude Van Damme before. And like every 11-year-old, I was amazed. He just kind of did everything that you wanted to see in a martial arts film. And it was fun. 
it was a fun martial arts film. You know, it was it was everything that an 11 year old boy would want. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it it really was. Does it have so much cheese in it? Absolutely. But it was perfect for the time and perfect for, like I said, my age growing up. Watched it again and again. I remember the video had a trailer for Cyborg on it. And I was immediately like, I, I cannot wait for Cyborg to come out. And I remember I kept bugging the uh, video store clerk. When's this movie Cyborg coming out? And he's like, dude, this isn't even out in theaters yet. So yeah, I was, I was a big fan at the time. Jason, how about you? Initial thoughts? Bill, you know I got some initial thoughts. Yeah, buckle down. I've got people. about a thousand. So get ready. I'd like to start with the main players here and give a little bit of where were they at in the 80s? And of course, we got to start with our protagonist, Frank Dukes, played by the one and only Jean-Claude Van Damme. And I'll touch on a couple of points that uh, Brad and Jeff had uh, mentioned, which were just great and I totally agree with. So Jean-Claude, you know, in 1979, he was in a film called Invrautusen Hondenwolf. And I pronounced that exactly right. <laughs> I want you to know that. Uh, no, he played, he was actually uncredited as Man in Garden and uh, I guess credited as moviegoer in that film. It sounds like he, he played two different roles. Then in 1984, he was in the film Breakin, wow. where he played a spectator in first dance sequence, also uncredited. Moving on, but still in 1984, he was a soldier in Missing in Action. Yeah, a little Chuck Norris connection there that we may get into that later. And then let's move on to another 1984 film that I'm sure everyone's familiar with, Monaco Forever. Anybody heard of that one? Nope. Oh, come on, because Jean-Claude Van Damme plays a gay karate man. <laughs> then we move on to 1985, where he is the bad guy in No Retreat, No Surrender, and of course in 88, Blood Sports as Frank Dukes. So uh, let's see, moving on. JCVD was such a big action star for me as well during my formative years. And I still associate him with the 80s, funny enough, because, although he kind of came into prominence in the 90s, which is something I always forget. Because basically, Bloodsport, Cyborg, Kickboxer, Lionheart, Death Warrant, and Double Impact were all released during my high school career. How lucky was I? He did Black Eagle after Bloodsport, but I never saw that one. I did specifically just to see him in it. You're not missing much. There we go. Thank you. Now I feel a lot better. Uh, so at this time, self-admittedly, I was not a big Chuck Norris guy. I, I respected Chuck, but I just hadn't been exposed to his work enough. So here comes this other white guy that's like a compact version of Schwarzenegger, but he's a badass martial artist to boot. He's the hybrid action hero. He's got the looks and the skill. He even had his own accent. So there it is. The muscles from Brussels with the agility and extraordinary flexibility, the standing high kick, the spinning high kick, the extension high kick, the repeat kicks, the weird scream he would always make when he performed a kick especially in slow motion, which I probably imitated no less than 10,000 times in my lifetime. I did not see Bloodsport in the theater, but after it was released on VHS cable, and I was immediately a fan. Side note, Brad, I taped Cyborg on VHS off a of cable and probably watched oh, me it too. a million me too. times. But we're talking about Bloodsport from 1988, a movie directed by a man named Newt. Newt Arnold, sometimes also known as Newton Arnold. According to his IMDb, Newt's only got three credits as a director, including this, Hands of a Stranger in 1962, Bloodthirst in 1971, and then this in 88. He made his bones mainly as a first AD, an assistant director, and here's a bit of his 80s snapshot. Listen to this, Blade Runner, War Games, 16 Candles, The Goonies, Alien Nation, Lock Up in the Abyss. Not bad as a first AD. Did a lot of second unit work as well. 
initial thoughts about the movie. How does this movie start? Training montage. That's right. Hell yeah. Who doesn't love an 80s training montage? We get all the multiple fighters from all over the world. Uh, you know, the main players, the Muay Thai guy, the kickboxer guy, the Chong Lee guy, the monkey man guy. That's not racist. He really <laughs> fights like a monkey. The main fighters are about to enter the Hong Kong Kumite. We see Ray Jackson, the great Donald Gibb. Nerds! Hitting a punching bag, talking about entering the fight when his buddy walks up and is like, but I heard you can get killed in that Kumite. Yeah, only if you fuck up. Oh, the foreshadowing. <laughs> Spoiler alert, he doesn't get killed, but boy, does he fuck up. Uh, skipping to Von Dom going off the military base and before he goes to visit his sensei or senso or Shoshido. And guess what? Flashback sequence where we get Dukes' orange sto- origin story and how he meets Senso Tanaka. And guess what? We get another training montage. Yeah! We get a second training montage. <laughs> Love training montages. Next initial thought. As with Schwarzenegger, there's nothing like hearing Jean-Claude Van Damme scream during the training sequence when his arms and legs have been rope tied and he's literally being stretched to his limits doing the splits. We hit some great, uh, great screams. But of course, his best screams come when he's fighting in the Kumite. I was going to save this for complaints, but I'll just mention it as an initial thought. It's really off-putting to listen to an Asian-American sensei with a perfect American accent talking to his French-Canadian-American student with a crazy weird accent. <laughs> uh, love seeing baby Forrest Whitaker mm-hmm. as an investigation command agent. Rollins <laughs> made me think of him in Good Morning Vietnam a little bit. He's always like that nice guy working in an official capacity, yeah. some, you know, trying to do his job while babysitting the, uh, like the wild child loose cannon protagonist. But man, you guys said, I mean, the big attraction of this film is the world of Kumite, the secret underground fighting tournament, uh, the mystery of it. It could be life or death. It's the real life Mortal Kombat. It always works as a setup, not to mention a B story about getting revenge for your sidekick, almost getting killed. That also always works. Another initial thought. After Dukes performs the Dim Mock, not to be confused with Dim Sum, I release, uh, realize I probably fast-forwarded the first 30 minutes of this movie every time I watched it. Agreed. Because uh, there's a lot of kidding where it's like, oh, yeah, there's this. Oh, yeah, when do we get to the fight stuff? Hey, guys, true or false, no one's real voice was used in the making of this film. But got to give it to him, 27-year-old Jean-Claude is an Adonis. Ain't no flies on him. Uh, I was thinking after that sex scene, isn't there something about having sex that would ruin the winning streak? I thought about that, too. I thought like Rocky, you know, you got to stay strong. You know, no fooling around. Uh, Women (laughs) look at legs, but, uh, you know, look look. Well, look at Van Damme's legs, though. I mean, they they may weaken him, but he's 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 going to be okay. I agree, Jeff. The answer is no, it doesn't break the winning streak. Not for Dukes and his hot buns. Leah Ayers is completely unnecessary in this film, but her scenes are so short, I don't give a shit. She's cute. <laughs> they wanted a love story. That's fine. Throw it in there. They're so short. I was like, yeah, okay, fine. We're we're past it in just about 30 seconds. Uh, the looks on Jean-Claude's face during all the flashbacks are absolutely priceless. Chong Lee with his trainer, he slips the pills into the front of his shorts at the end before the classic final sequence. He puts those pills... What are they like supposed to be salt pills in the front of yeah, his little, shorts? Little salt pills, yeah. I know, but I was like, no, that's not how dick pills work. Oh, I thought I thought that was a smarty. <laughs> like I just thought I had a little candy. He's like, you can use it <laughs> in case you get hungry, or get, you know, use this. That's what I thought it was. I thought it was a smarty. You gotta watch your blood yeah. sugar levels in the Kumite. That's it. Great, <laughs> great stuff. Hey, the great thing about Donald Gibb, not quite sure where he's looking ever. 
but he, what a great character actor, extremely lovable. I haven't talked about any of the fighting sequences in the movie, but it is all about the tournament, the fights, the choreography, the different fighting styles, the Kumite fight song, and Chong Li and bandanas. I absolutely loved revisiting this movie, gentlemen. I'll stop there. Bill Bant, got anything else? Any other initial thoughts, my friend? Oh, Jason, did you leave me anything? <laughs> yeah, so the first time I saw this was with my dad. It was on cable. And, oh, man, I fell in love with it because of the fight scenes. And like Jeff was saying, it was on TBS all the time. Usually it was on late night cable. And I was watching Carson and uh, Letterman. I'd go back to it during breaks. Or if they had a guest I didn't want to watch, I would just watch that. But every time the final fight, I had to watch it. Coming back to watch this again and the first 10 minutes, I was one of those, uh-oh, man, no one in this movie can act except for Tanaka, and he's blowing everybody away. Can we just please get to Hong Kong? I, I think I had the Mandela effect, because I thought all, all the flashbacks happened throughout the movie, not everything happening in the beginning of the training montage. I really just start. they started at Hong Kong. I didn't remember uh, Dukes being on the military base. I didn't know that at all. I just thought they sent Forrest Whitaker and the other guy, Felix Leiter, yep. to go collect him. But the fighting's still great. The fight scenes are the best. It's still a lot of fun. The slow-mo, that's the only reason the movie's over 90 minutes runtime, because I had to put in so many slow-mo shots. <laughs> it was definitely a blast to go back. I can't believe it was, it's was. it been this long since I've seen it again. Looking forward to discussing. So that takes us into our next segment, which is favorite movements and scenes. So, Brad, why don't you start us off? What is one of your favorite scenes or moments from Bloodsport? Okay, it's not like one. It's a collection of... There's so many people that bother you when they fight. Every one of those people eventually get the shit knocked out of them and eventually get their due. Talking about the monkey guy, the big, big guy, the Arabic guy, the the Paco, like anybody like, oh, I just hate that guy. They all get destroyed. And so every moment that they get destroyed is my favorite moment. Oh, the great come ups. Yes. You see their style and you think, how are they going to yeah. counteract that? In Von Damme, the thing about it is that all the talk about his character being so good, his choreography does look stellar. It does look like he is that yeah. quick. He is that good. So without that, I think even as, as a talented martial artist, as somebody like Chuck Norris is, it wouldn't look as good. Von Damme looked a little bit. We hadn't seen that before. Someone so fast, someone that could jump so good. It seemed, I don't know if realistic's the right word, but it seemed possible for him to be that good. You know, it's funny you use the word realistic because uh, in his own right, Van Damme is a martial arts champion mm -hmm. before he does this movie. And Frank Dukes, the real Frank Dukes, is the uh, choreographer. Uh, you know, he's he's on set. He doesn't think Van Damme is convincing enough, so he trains him for three months before this. Right. And Van Damme has credited him saying it was the most grueling training he's ever done. And, you know, again, realistic, it's ironic we're using that word because, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it later. But Frank Dukes, maybe not so realistic, right. but I digress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would say of all the fights that got there come up, but the only one I felt bad for was when Van Damme did the nut punch on that one guy. I was oh. like, oh, man. That's a low blow. That's that, one of my yeah. favorite moments. It was the only way, yeah. the only way to get him down. I mean, oh, he, yeah. he even did the Dumac on his stomach. It did nothing. There was no other choice. Right. You would think there would be one rule, like, all right, the jewels are off limits. Yeah. I mean, come on. The rules are there are no rules, but yeah, don't I, punch I anyone's so. nuts, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I love it, Brad, that you brought up the fact, yeah, that they do get their comeuppance because I love it when a film sets up the bad guy properly so you truly hate them. And there's so many bad guys and they just do it briefly. I mean, we get introduced. Is it the, um, I believe he's supposed to be Middle Eastern. Is his character's name Hussein? Hussein. His name is Hussein. Hussein. Yeah. Some wonderful writing in that uh, sequence when uh, they're at the bar with, I believe it, well, it's... Ayers is the actress. Uh, Leah. Leah? Blanking on her real Leah. 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 Yeah. Thank you. Leah Ayers. But her character's name, I think, is Janet or Janice. It's, it's Janice. Like, that's all you get. Janice. Yeah. She's getting in a little trouble with Hussein. And then, of course, Van Damme steps in. But it's just hilarious. I'm like, his name is Hussein? Are you kidding me? But yeah, we, we love to hate these guys. And, of course, Dukes dispenses with them rather quickly, which I'll get to. My favorite beatdown is, is Paco. That guy is so scummy with his little hands up and he's always kneeing people and they're always the mucha, yeah. oh the suck he looks punch. like that guy i don't know yeah. where he's from if, if he's just he's russian or i mean I don't, I don't know but he just he looks like a punk and so when he gets it more than chung lee i'm more excited when paco gets ripped apart yeah but the thing is in real life paco destroys all these guys that's, that's an actual muay thai fighter yeah he's yeah. wearing his actual trunks from his gym that guy would destroy van damme in a second nah, i don't care it just yeah, I don't like him. <laughs> he, he's he's actually a legitimate fighter, so you gotta give I him agree some credit. With both of you, I totally agree with both of you because he has a face that you'd want to punch. He just and he keeps mean people, and people are like, you know, they didn't get that upset about the you know the ball punch, but every time he starts kneeing people, like really like just bitch ass, he's like well, they're booing him, so they don't even like him. Yeah, but that Muay Thai is uh, that's pretty brutal to go up against and you see that then of course later on in the ufc i don't know if you were like silva fans or there's yep. a lot of different guys that employed that technique but it's do they have an armpit kickoff to, uh, to fight like an armpit you know trade-off they just kick each other in the armpits <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> see that like when you're talking about like the believability the realism of the fighting there are aspects of it which i totally agree are believable and you know that van damme is like you said a champion and you got to respect the discipline i mean that guy is just mm-hmm. so polished and we just, as many fighters out there that probably could, maybe could do what he could do, he was the mm-hmm. total package. And you see him do his thing and with the splits and the everything, it's just like professionalism. You just got to respect it. And you want to watch mm-hmm. him in slow motion. You don't want it to go too fast. I don't care if it's real or not. I want to see the stuff. I want to be able to see it. There looks like, even in those slow-mo shots, there's some full contact. Mm. You know, I'm like, I was like, man, he's really giving it to him. Like some of them you could say, all right, he maybe missed him. But some of them look like there was a con- uh, full contact. And I think there was a couple incidences of some actual, you know, hits happening. Yeah, I believe there was too. Yeah. Well, you mentioned you guys were talking about uh, your your buddy uh, Hosan uh, and how much you love him. Speaking of full contact, the, the elbow that Van Dam gives him that knocks his gold tooth out. That's a real knockout that wasn't meant to be, wasn't supposed to be, but Van Damme actually, actually knocks him out in that scene and they just kept it because mm. it looks so good. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. I didn't, I hadn't come across that in the research. That's yeah. Great. I saw that too. All right, Jeff, uh, take it to you. What is your favorite senior moment of blood sport? Maybe not uh, a favorite moment that a lot of people would, would pick, but uh, you know, Jason was just talking about these polished fighters. Let's talk about how unpolished Donald <laughs> Gibb is. With his, with, <laughs> okay. The, the bottom line is he's using no known fight style. Uh, I mean, I would call it yeah. redneck biker would be the fight style I would call it. But uh, the, one of my favorite scenes is after his first match, he knocks out his opponent and he's cheering himself on. You know, yeah. And then 
he just, for reasons we don't understand, he just points at Chong Lee and he's like, I'm going to kill you, man. And my favorite moment, it's one of my favorites because the, just the genuine surprise on Bolo Young's face playing Chong Lee when he gets called out and like the smile he gets, like, is it me? Seriously? Just, it just seemed like a, an unscripted moment. And I, I don't know if Donald Gibb just was, I don't know if Gibb was doing an ad lib, like an ad lib Gibb, but I just love that moment of, of Chong Lee's face. Like, oh wow, this guy just, it catches you off guard. It's great, Jeff. I love, I, let's coin the phrase ad lib Gibb. Uh, that, I mean, that's, that's brilliant. I put that in one of my complaints is when he calls out Chong Lee because I was like, what are you yeah. doing, idiot? And everybody, yeah. like, and also, was like you said, it doesn't make sense as if was this part of a deleted scene? Was there a longer scene as if they had a rivalry before this fight, like Chong Lee and uh, Ray yeah. Jackson, Donald Gibbs characters, what I'm talking about? Because it's so out of nowhere. Why would he just suddenly point out a stranger whom he hasn't fought or barely seen fight and go, I'm not only going to fight you, I'm going to kill you? Yeah. All we know at this point. Uh, and this is from the, the Hong Kong handler that's, that's taking care of Jackson and Dukes is like, you know, Oh, Hey, that's Chong Lee. He's the defending champion. Yeah. Five years. He's killed somebody in the ring before. Thanks, yeah. Mr. Lin, for that yeah. foreshadowing. We don't know exactly. Chong Lee. So he, you know, a, a guy got killed in the last Kumite. Could have been an accident. He kicked him in the throat. We don't know anything about Chong Lee till, of course, later. But at that point in the movie, Chong Lee's like, what did I ever do to you, man? Come on. You don't know me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, lo- I love Donald Gibbon that moment. Like, Killed a guy on the mat, just sat there and watched him die. Well, who, yeah. what is everyone else doing? Like, <laughs> I mean, no. there is no medical there on no, site. Exactly. This, like. this yeah. is the Kuma day. That's a great point, Bill. Can you hire some medical staff yeah. there? Maybe, maybe just in case. Yeah. It, it's full on contact. It, there's going to be a fatality here and there. Hey, that's what you're signing up for. Sorry. Last thing I'll say about uh, your commentary there, Jeff, is you literally said it almost verbatim because I had copied and pasted, as I always do from IMDb. One of the fun facts and trivia is Ray Jackson does not use any recognized martial art at any point in the film. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Bare knuckle brawler. You should be fighting Clint Eastwood in any which way you can or loose. I'm surprised he actually got as far as he did. Yeah. Yeah. How does this guy get an invitation to this yeah. elite secret oh, tournament? My other, that was oh, one of my additional oh, okay. questions. Hell yeah, oh, man. Some, 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 I think we should just wait till the questions come in. Yeah. No, 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 Sorry. no. That's, this is, I love no, this. No, but that's just a good I wanted to know all that too. I yeah, love the open right. conversation. Let's talk about it. But that was a question I had was how do these guys get the invitations? So is it up to the, is it the Black Dragon fighting? They kind of run the Kumite, but it's with the permission of the larger organization, which is like the IFAA or something like that. Yeah. But they send out invites. So they're clearly scouting and they're looking for the best fighters all around the world. And they're like, Donald Gibb, this guy at this biker bar who's just pounding (laughs) pitchers of pitchers of uh, natty ice. This guy, this guy, he's the one. We want him in our tournament. How did he get an invite? Because he looks like a Jackson. (laughs) You look like a Jackson. (laughs) We need it. I think someone was passing through Missouri and had a stop for a beer at the double deuce. And maybe he right. was just in rare form that night. And they're like, this, this guy put him on the short list. And that was obviously that's before Dalton shows up. Oh, it's great. Yeah. I just wanted to know the prize money. Okay. You get invited. They, they fly you out there. They put you up. What are you, what are you winning? Do you get money to even be in the, in the fight? Or if you're the Not overall great. champion, what do you get out of it? 
aside yeah, from a that, lot of, lot of questions coming out. Yeah, of aside this. aside from getting the 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 katana sword, I, I don't know what else. Yeah, Let, let's. Where's the big check? Honor Shidoshi. Know. Unless you, you have to do the Shidoshi. Betting. Yeah, you have to bet on yourself or something. Yeah. That's a great question, Bill. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, there is no uh, prize money, huh? Yeah, you how do you get, get a sweet sword and respect? Yeah, yeah. Just even how the tournament runs itself, because it's only three days. Mm-hmm. Three days. Let's just say you have like twenty five fighters. They got to fight yeah. like five times a day. That's a long day. Well, it might be a short. I don't know. They start at eight a.m. Run until ten at night. I don't know how those guys. are. Well, no, they're done by, by like three. five or six because he's got to go out to dinner with you know the reporter girl. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, he's got to have true. dinner with Janice. That's true. Yeah, second day. Yeah, less fighters. I get it. Single. And maybe go on a maybe if he wants to go on a little foot chase. You know, with some government oh, agents God. around that's, town and taunt them. Be be a little cheeky, maybe in the middle of it, and taunt them a little bit. You know, there's one of my complaints, Jason. I <laughs> 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 would jump and say, yeah. yeah. I love it. I love it, Jason. How about you for favorite scene or moment? Oh boy. I said it earlier, guys. I love a training montage. So I'm going with training montage number two, technically. Number two. <laughs> yes. Just before the montage begin, we get a young Frank Dukes pleading with Senso Tanaka to train him fully, thus taking the place of Tanaka's son, whom suddenly had passed away. Do we know how? No. He just disappears, vanishes into thin air, but he's gone. And continuing, uh, basically, Dukes wants to continue the longstanding lineage of the Tanaka clan, in teaching the ways of, is it ninjutsu? Is it ninjutsu? It's, it's ninjutsu. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Jeff. Yep. See, this is why we have you here. <laughs> I, I need support. It's a nice scene between the two of them. It's really nicely lit. Van Damme is, is truly beautiful with his curls and what appears to be lip gloss. <laughs> I understand that. Tanaka agrees to train him and cut to training montage. We see Dukes get thrown to the mat several times. He's young. He's inexperienced. Tanaka shows Dukes all the pressure points on the poster of a human body. By the way, I want that poster. Then we basically get a supercut of Tanaka continuing to kick young Dukes' ass with some sweet moves and blocks and a stick while Van Damme is swinging his fancy legs around. Then they rub their hands together like Miyagi, and then they do some hand gestures and grab their own thumbs, and I was hoping they would thumb wrestle, but they didn't. Then Dukes does the splits, of course. Yes, of course. Uh, we get Dukes blindfolded. Gotta have it. Gotta have the blindfolded scene. We need Dukes to train without being able to see, just in case. And we get to watch tea time with the Tanakas as Dukes wears his blindfold and somehow manages to flawlessly bring teacups to the table. And when Senzo Tanaka tests Dukes by suddenly delivering a strike to Dukes' face, guess what? Dukes blocks it. Yeah, surprise. Without even seeing it. Then Tanaka beats Dukes with a stick some more. And finally... <laughs> Then the final test. Here it is. Ladies and gentlemen, Tanaka has Dukes rope tied by his arms and legs to some posts. Dukes is literally being stretched while, yes, doing the splits. But Dukes, after some sweet screaming, finally gets his shit together, gathers his internal fortitude, pulling himself by up by his arms and finally breaking one of the posts, freeing himself. But in doing so, he falls to the ground, still in the splits. And I was like, sweet baby Jesus, did you pull eight different muscles this then? Tanaka hands Dukes the katana and Dukes' training is complete. Guys, thanks for bearing with me. I can't get enough of these sequences. I'm just all about it. We know how it goes. We know it's going to start slow with his ass getting kicked, and then he just gets better and better. We see it in Karate Kid. Just name that action fight movie, and it's there. And uh, this is one of the great ones because you get to see him uh, do the splits like five times. And I don't know. What else can you add here? 
I, I mean, you really covered it all there. <laughs> I mean, this is a this is a film that has no less than four montages, and that, yours is definitely the best one. If you're going to pick one montage out of this film, it's definitely got to be the trending ones. And Jason, it's definitely got to be the second one where we're seeing the. Um, thank you for mentioning it. The, the lip glossed Van Damme because <laughs> I'm watching. There? I'm like, what? I understand the perm, but but why is he wearing lip gloss? You know, I, I, I didn't I didn't get it, you know, but um, it's it's always good to watch a montage like that where you see this the sensei just correcting the student, as it were. Tor- There's always that good torture moment, which is it's not it's not torture. It's training. OK, mm-hmm. I mean, if it helps, you know, Van Damme does the splits like I think like nine or ten times in this movie. So if that's how you have to train to get to do that, uh. I'm not signing up like martial arts movies. We love martial arts movies and they do have to have a certain kind of formula and say what you will. The movie does have those moments. You know, it does make those moments similar to um, things like enter the dragon. You know, there's flashback sequences in that, you know, you're going to this tournament with a character that you pretty much want to believe cannot be beat is so good. And they use that formula very well. And, Van Damme made a career just like John Wayne, Bruce Lee, Arnold Schwarzenegger. He made a career out of it, which we do want to eventually see. So as a martial arts film, I think it at least hit all those marks. You know, we make fun of the blindfold thing, but it then makes its way back into the ending of the film of why is he doing tea? It does make those things are... Yes, there's a lot of cheese in this movie. Yes, there are a lot of things that make you laugh. But as far as the formula of the film, in 1988, this is how you made an action film. This is how you made a martial arts film. That's right. And the something of Van Damme, we hadn't seen that before. Like I said, he was very graceful. He looked great when he did those splits. Those kicks looked amazing. They looked like they hurt the other person. So of course it was a lot of fun. So I think as much as we love poking fun at it and all the wrong things are wrong with it, it's still just a fun martial arts film. Wow. Great commentary. Go ahead, Bill. Just the fact you have the signature split and he does it three or four times throughout the film. And yeah. that's something you look for in future Von Damme movies. It's when was he going to do the split? How is that going to be integrated into the script? So it was something you always look for. And just the, the one time you see him in the hotel and he's on the chair like that, you're just like, mm-hmm. good God. No way on earth I would ever be able to do anything remotely close to that. I, I can't even touch my toes without bending my legs. Right, exactly. I'm the same way. I, I am the exact same way. I'm totally inflexible. But as Bill knows, and I've shared on this podcast several times, I grew up uh, and as a trained dancer at one time, and I could do the splits at one time. And it was awful. I hated doing it. I hated stretching. It hurt. I mean, my hamstrings, it hurt every inch of my body. And so now when I watch a Van Damme, especially when I was watching him in high school, when I was, that was post my dancing career, I was dancing when I was very young. I had such an uh, you know, utmost respect for what he was doing because you look at it and you go, this guy's been training for his whole life, you, you know, to be able to do this type of thing. And so that's what we get out of the training montage as well is that that respect. We're like, it's just a, a microcosm of it. But we're like, no, this guy actually does this. Like he did that for a long time. and. um Oh gosh, there was something else. I was just, and there was something, just a, a general comment about, <clears throat> excuse me, about Van Damme is I found him a little more accessible at this time as an action hero because of his size in the way, and I meant more like his stature because Schwarzenegger is what, 6'2", mm-hmm. 6'4", mm-hmm. in that range. 
depending on who you ask. And then you get Van Dam, who's a little bit, uh, I'm, a, I'm of shorter stature. And I was like, okay, Van Damme's somewhere between 5'8 and 5'10. And yeah. he can do this. I was like, oh, okay, he's a little, just, just that more, much yeah. more relatable. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, I can't do what he does, but like, I feel like if I try, you know, trained for another 20 years, maybe. If you go snatching fish out of the pond with your Shidoshi, <laughs> yeah, you, mm-hmm. can, you can do it. I didn't mention that. The snatch. <laughs> I'm remiss. No, it's, it's another one of those great things in that montage, you know, cause it, it does, there is a callback later, you know, with, with Hosan, you know, in the bar that you mentioned earlier, Jason, like, you know, it's like, okay, now we're doing coin tricks, but how, right. how can we do the coin tricks? Shidoshi. <laughs> yeah. How do you catch the fly with the chopsticks? Right. Thanks. <laughs> all right. Good stuff. Um, yeah. So for my favorite scene, because all the fight scenes, I, I couldn't just pick one. I wanted to pick something that was outside of the Kumite and you guys have been talking about it. That the coin scene. I don't know why that just, that whole scene just cracks me up in the whole setup. Cause you have Janice who's a reporter and she wants to learn about the Kumite and she's not getting anything from anyone. And we have one of the fighters, Hussein who is now harassing her. And it's like, if you come up with me to her room, I'll let you know everything about the Kumite. And uh, Janice is not having any of that, but Hussein's with some of his pals. So she's in a little bit of trouble and in steps Frank Dukes with Jackson. And they're like, Hey, leave her alone. She's with me kind of deal. And they're like, all right, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll fight for her. And of course, no fighting outside the Kumite or you get disqualified. How, how about we do a little bet? So Frank, he gives Hussein a coin, puts it in the palm of his hand. He's like, if you can close this before I grab it, Janice is all yours. If not, Janice comes with me. Of course, Janice doesn't like this because now she's being a chip here. Not cool. Who's she going to end up the night with? So maybe she shouldn't be doing this investigative reporting. But puts the coin in the hand. Hussein goes to close it, thinking he's got the coin. And haha, Janice is coming with me. And Frank's like, not so fast. Why don't you give it a little look? Hussein opens his hand. Not only is the coin not there, it's a different coin. And we do the flashback of him grabbing the fish out of the pond. So the training does come into play. I just find it really silly. Just the way they cut around that scene. They're not trying to fake it at all. Let's cut to his hands just below the camera. So when he closes, we don't see that he does not grab the coin. And then... Cut to reactions, cut to the hand opening up the different coin in the face. I just love it. And just the whole reaction of just Janice throughout the whole scene is, are you fucking kidding me? What did I just get myself <laughs> but, into? But she's very re- relieved. It's better she's going off with Frank. And Hussein. literally, Frank just gives her the same deal that Hussein gives her. She comes up to Von Don's room. Way. <laughs> she sleeps with him. And he tells her as much as he can about the Kumite. It's the exact same deal. So is she not well, willing to do it? No, she's just not willing to do it with Hussein. Well, I don't think that, I don't think it's exactly the same. I mean, I, what, here's your choice. Dinner, candlelit dinner with Van Damme and maybe some, something happening or a gang rape <laughs> with, with Hussein and his two stooges. Cause I'm terrified for Janice in that, in that moment. And, uh, Bill, my question for you, cause it is a, it is a cool moment. It is a, it is a great scene. What's more believable? The fact that this coin trick happens or the the instant best friendship between Donald Gibb and, and uh, Van Damme. Like, I, can we can we talk about that for a second? Because, hey, 
I got a little choked up there at the end when they were professing their love to him because you would you would see those shots of Janice and she looked like she was going to start crying. Yeah, and I'm just going to start crying. I was like, damn, best friends over four days. That's amazing. Let's let's talk about this. You you meet a guy, you meet a complete stranger in a hotel lobby while you're playing Karate Champ, which is an awesome game. Oh, you answered one of my questions. Thank you. Oh, okay. Uh, you you find out, hey, he this guy is here to to fight in the Kumite. I'm doing that. So this is an opponent. But instead, it's like, did we just become best friends? It's it's very stepbrothers of these two. <laughs> like, he's just walking into his hotel room, drinking beer. He's, you know, kicking his Reeboks up on his bed. And they just, like, they're instant best friends. And I I don't get it. I don't, I, I you know, and you, like, to your point about the end, I've known this guy four days. And he's like, I love you, my friend. Why? <laughs> It's a bromance. I'm going to give it. That's how. Yeah, I think it's a circumstance. The strangers in a strange land. They're the only two Americans there, so they got they got a team together. So I think that's what maybe what it stems from. And we pick on Hossein, but let's talk about the Donald Gibb when we first see him on the bus ride over to the hotel. (laughs) Not not a good guy. The guy's a jerk. He's rude, and you know, to this woman, and yeah, I'm like, he can't be a good guy. Have you ever been with a big man? Yeah, something like too, that. Yeah, too. Guess I'm too good looking for you. It's like he it puts his shoes up on her seat. He's I'm always like, on, drinking. He's always drink. He drinks in the morning before the fight. Come on, Frankie. Kumite yeah. Expressly's in five minutes. I got to finish my third beer. <laughs> no wonder you got your head kicked in. <laughs> yeah, because I kind of forgot how they met too, and I thought something was going to happen in the bus, and and that's how they became friends. That first act. <laughs> that's all. Yeah. That's all a blur. It's rough. Van Damme's like, oh, hey, there's the guy that was sexually harassing the girl on the bus. He's playing video games. I like video games. Yeah. I think he's my new friend. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I like being chauvinistic and misogynistic. Yeah. Maybe we're soulmates. And I think it does happen over that uh, game of Karate Champ. I was trying to figure out what the name of that game was, and that's great. And I think, yeah, it's when Donald Gibb looks into Van Damme's eyes. He just gets lost, and (laughs) then it just goes from there. And I want to get to a point with Bill Bant, who I've known well over 25 years, 25 to 30 years, where I can look at him into, you know, deep into his eyes and just say, Bill, anytime, anywhere, any place, I'll be there. And, you know, just to have that moment with another man, it's a really special thing. But also to your guys' point, Bill, great. I'm glad you called out that scene because that's just a great scene. Now here's, I'm going to jump to my complaints since we're just, we're going uh, free form here. Yes, complaint compartments, do it. Ayers goes through all this and she's like the pawn in the midst of this bet and what stuff. And you got the machismo flying around and bravado. But uh, my complaint is later on, she shows up at Kumite looking rather hot, I may say. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh yeah, I can go undercover whenever I want. I'm like, what the hell were you doing this whole time then? Why were you going through all of that before trying to get in by questioning these guys and putting yourself in precarious situations, a foreigner in a foreign land, et cetera, and now you're just like, oh, I could have just gone undercover and figured out everything I want to know about Kumite. It's like, oh. Maybe not bring out the tape recorder in the middle of the fight. You know, just save that till you're back at the hotel. I mean, are there (laughs) things that you're going to forget? I better, you know, record this now or I might forget. You're not going to forget any of that stuff. Come on. That guy's bone just came out of his leg. You know, you're not going to forget any of that. Oh, yeah, that was brutal. I've got thoughts on Janice, but I figured we'd wait. Unless we're unless we're doing Swiss cheese complaints. Yeah, we're doing Swiss cheese complaints. Let's keep going. (laughs) What do you got? Well, uh, okay, let's let's talk Swiss cheese. Who is she writing for? And 
how is she in Hong Kong? And for for someone that knows a lot about where it's happening and and who is in it, she knows shit about this this ancient tournament. And I, I don't get that. And then her her motivation changes after a night with Van Dam because now she's trying to stop it. You know, she's working with the police. Like, you know, you got to stop it because he's gonna get hurt. What's going on with her? Like, you know, oh, it's fantastic. It's so terrible. It's amazing. It's you're yeah. absolutely right. Everything about her. She gives me some serious uh, Kate Capshaw vibes. Oh yeah, because uh, I was thinking also of Kate Capshaw and Black Rain, which I can't wait to do <laughs> on, on our Ooh, pod. good movie. But, uh, when she's explaining to Michael Douglas that he's a gaijin, or is that how yep. you say gaijin? Gaijin, yep. If, and I was like, oh, that would have been cooler if Leah Ayers was like that in this kind of that role where she was a local, that she spoke the language. And, yeah. and she had discovered that there was in her backyard or in this backyard, this whole other subculture with the fighting, et cetera. But no, she seems to be quite as American as you, they come. And then, yeah, it's speaking of quick relationships, like between Donald Gibb and Van Damme, we have this supremely quick relationship between her and Van Damme. And my favorite is then all this, you know, she shows up at the fight. And then at the end, she's just left behind. Yeah. <laughs> she gets off the bus. It's like, oh, that was fun. Well, she propositions him for sex. I mean, she pretty much at that oh, dinner, right. just yeah. like, hey, yo, yeah. We got all night. And they're not at a restaurant. They're at the, her hotel room. So it, it's yeah. already going that way. <laughs> That's great. She threw the bed sheet over the table. Yeah. Like, how do you go from, hey, we're in the hospital visiting Donald Gibb to that beautiful bro moment, you know, any place, anywhere, anytime. But then we jump to the, the plane and he's leaving and she shows up at the last second, you know, on a bus or whatever. Why? Like, did, did they not ride to the, the hotel, uh, the, the airport together? Like, she's going to stick around. Well, she's, it's just like, I don't know about you guys, but if I'm about to board a plane and this beautiful woman, I'm never going to see her again. And she makes the the effort to dash to the the airport at the last second and jump out of this bus and and you know wave at me. I might go down the steps and embrace her, talk to her, have a moment with her. Van Damme's content with giving like this Mentos commercial moment where he just salutes her and smiles and the end. It's like okay. Well. Instead, yeah, he should have just. It would should have been a freeze frame on his shoulder shrug, just going why. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you're right. It's such a classic romantic, especially like '80s or even beyond, uh, romantic comedy, romantic film trope of running through the airport at the end, right, to catch your significant other at the last moment, and <laughs> it's completely unfulfilled. It's yeah. unintentionally but instead, funny. Yeah, we get a freeze frame of a bunch of inaccurate facts. About the real Frank <laughs> oh, yeah. Dukes. So as you're sitting there going, oh, oh wow, where do you start? That's amazing. And you find out none of it's true. But you know what? <sighs> I don't care. The movie's still fun. I don't care if it was all made up. I don't care if he made every single one of it up. It's still a fun movie. Nailed it. Yeah. I just don't care. It's so mm -hmm. bad. It's good. One of my complaints was, so we have the military guys that are out there to try to get Dukes and bring him back. And they try to work with the Hong Kong police. And then... Janice throws Dukes under the bus. And when Dukes is going to fight that third day, you have the Hong Kong police out there with the military guys. And Dukes just kicks the crap out of two of the police officers. Yeah. Then they go to do the stun gun on him. He deflects the shots and they knock out two more Hong Kong police. I'm like, A, you already broke a Kumite law by fighting outside of the arena. And two, you just struck police officers. And the chief just walks away like, oh, well, I tried to help. Bill, I can't believe you brought that up. That's awesome. My, my question, too, is... Why can't he fight in the Kumite? Wouldn't that be kind of good if, you know, uh, an American went overseas and won this tournament? Like, 
they never really say why he's not allowed to do it, why they're taking all this effort to get him back. He's such an important person to the military. Like, why is Frank Duke so important that he can't go to Hong Kong for three days? Why is it so bad that he goes? I, and they never say why. We need a prequel. Well, I, you know, Norman Burton summed it up, Brad. The, the U.S. government has spent too much time and money on his training and his development. But so. they didn't. Sh- right. <laughs> the Shidoshi Tanaka <laughs> trained him. Shidoshi Tanaka trained me. Yeah, well, you guys covered about uh, like the latter half of my notes completely here. A, yes, we see a uh, military facility. We don't know where it is. We have to assume it's in America. It just, I wish there was like a caption or a title card that just said somewhere in the US. So we knew we were there. But we know that from research, Frank Dukes was in, at least one fact is that he was in the Marine Corps at some point. But in this film, Frank Dukes, the character or and or Van Damme is supposed to be a captain in the army. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it's just like, well, okay, now he's a, a furloughed and he's going to go to Hong Kong for the Kumite and these government agents are after. But I was the same thing. It's like, what, why? What? So great. They've invested too much in him. Meaning what? Is he a covert operative? Is he like some sort Instructor? of lethal weapon? Is special, <laughs> right? Like I'm now I'm going into another, I'm, now I'm thinking of a uh, perfect weapon. Sorry. That's the yeah. movie. Jeff uh, Speakman. Yeah. That was a little, little the, po- the poor but, man's uh, Van Damme. But this is why we love talking about this stuff, guys. Like, there's so many questions. And Bill, I can't, I love that you brought up what I was putting in as one of my favorite scenes and my favorite complaints is, I just called it the giant taser scene, which is, yeah, same thing. Van Damme goes down one of those narrow corridors. Which, by the way, is hilarious that they got to walk all the way through those corridors. And I was like, I'd be too tight. I wake up in the morning. But I got to walk down the corridor and then get ready and then break a brick, but not the top brick, the bottom brick, and then put my gi on and then fight. And then I got to walk through all the corridors again to get back to my hotel and go down the corridor. And the agents are standing there with giant tasers. But you're right, Bill. I'm pretty sure he's in a Chinese prison after he takes out some of those guards. Right. I mean, that's that's not legal. You can't just physically assault Chinese soldiers like that. But the giant tasers were amazing that uh, Forrest Whitaker and Felix Leiter. (laughs) Biggest goddamn things I've ever seen. Yeah. Norman Burton playing Felix Leiter in Diamonds Are Forever. I love that we keep going back to that. I mean, that was (laughs) one of his biggest roles. We were talking yesterday. Where is the other guy from? We knew the Forrest Whitaker and we're like, where is who is that? Yeah. Bert. Yeah. He's he's a that he's a. Uh, that guy, he does, uh, you know, he did, uh, like two of the Planet of the Apes movies. I think he did Towering Inferno, maybe. He was, but this and Diamonds Are Forever, like his, his, his paydays. I did like him in this though, because he, yeah. he was the good diplomat, you know, and they go to Tanaka's house and Forrest Whitaker kind of wants to bust in there and, and find out where Duke's and he's just like, no, it's all good. We'll, yeah, he's thank like, you for your he's time. there. We'll go to that. And even yeah. deal, he went to Hong Kong. Chief, we yeah. yeah. Bill, I got a question for you though. Did you notice how often he, he just interrupts Forrest Whitaker. Like Whitaker's, I guess it's like they got like a good cop, bad cop thing happening. Cause Whitaker's wanting to push the issue. And, he's, and then he's always like, Hey, well, we're good. You know, it's, yeah, I, I definitely said that. He's kind of, Forrest Whitaker is kind of the, the hothead of the two. And he's, it almost seems like he's kind of new and he's trying yeah. to show him the ropes. Like, yeah. We'll just use our shot back stun guns <laughs> to, to knock him out. <laughs> That thing delivers 50,000 volts and it will get all the crumbs yep. out of your couch. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Two in one. I love it. Anything else for cheese or complaints? I mean, the song. The song. 
Wait, you're you're, compla- you're complaining about the song? Because okay, it's not that. No, it is a bad song. Is that it's been going through my head constantly. So even when the movie came out, I was walking around Kumite, Kumite, and as I was rewatching this time, I'm like, I'm just sitting there mouthing all the lyrics, and I'm like, how do I know this? Can't stand by the breath. I'm like, I should yeah. not know these lyrics. And I knew every single one of them. So damn you, Kumite song. That's, that's, that shouldn't be a complaint. That's, a great, I love it. that's impressive. Outside of Kumite, I couldn't name one other lyric. So the fact that you know all of them. Fight to survive. To Kumite, Kumite. Here's, here's something. Uh, I know, uh, Jason, I, th- I think it was Jason alluded to, um, Young Van Damme, like the the child oh. actor oh, playing Van Damme. I his hope you're say what I was accent. just about to say. <laughs> I, I, this confuses the hell out of me. Okay, why is this kid wearing a San Francisco Giants hat and a New York Giants jersey? Is he just a fan of Giants in particular? Just likes Giants. <laughs> who's who's doing wardrobe on this? Because I mean, I get that you're going to let Donald Gibb wear sweatpants to the whole thing, but at least let the kid wear either the San Francisco Giants or the New York Giants, you know, I, I didn't get the whole mixing of it. Oh my gosh, Jeff. It, oh, it's amazing. This is why this, this is just such a beautiful <laughs> film. It, it makes no fucking <laughs> sense kind at all. Of a game. Are you kidding me? During the flashback sequence, who the hell cast this kid? This poor son of a bitch. I mean, this young ducks, uh, ducks. I love it. I'm reading my notes. That's all I see. <laughs> dukes. It's dukes. Like put them up. This young Van Damme, he looks, this poor kid looks nothing like Van Damme. And I'm like, please tell me they dubbed his voice. Either way, the poor son of a bitch kid or the poor son of a bitch voiceover kid that had to impersonate Van Damme with that high-pitched Belgian, French, whatever (laughs) accent. I just, I was like watching it going, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, I felt for that kid. See, Jason, I'm the opposite. I'm the opposite. I give kudos to casting. I'm like, we need someone bad. We need someone bad. This kid is perfect. I totally feel like he's got Van Damme's mannerisms, even though when Van Damme becomes an adult, he somehow shrinks. I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, that kid was terrible. Oh, my God. I felt bad for him. The only thing I could I can imagine is that they needed him to be his his accent to be so terrible so that by the time you get to yeah. adult Van Damme, Van Damme's English sounds better than what this kid's was. You know, mission accomplished. Yeah. Right. You can almost give him credit because they did have to kind of explain. They do at least somewhat explain his Dukes's origin, at least, because we do meet his parents briefly mm-hmm. in the flashback sequence. And I love the flashback sequence. I put this in my complaints, too. It's just really off-putting for me where you have Tanaka explaining, well, I'm going to take your son under my wing now and, you know, instruct him along with my own son. And he's trying to relate to the other parents, the parents of Dukes. And he says, we both grow children. And I was like, like, like in that the garden, like you grow children. That's quite disturbing. But uh, my other small complaints were the uh, really, really super low cut tank tops on uh, Van Damme. <laughs> and then and there, nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying, uh, let's give Forrest Whitaker a little more to do. Always. Love oh, yeah. That's just a legit complaint. Uh, movie does Absolutely. not paint Harley Davidson in a very good light. You know, <laughs> Donald Gibb in the Harley yeah. Davidson shirt. Oh, then he man. gets beaten up with the bandana. You know, he's all about the Harley Davidson. Never rides a motorcycle. But yeah, doesn't look good for Harley Davidson. 
I just figured those bandanas are hard to get, you know, because everyone's beating the shit out of each other for one. And when you get one back, you're you're pretty excited about it. Wait, wait. Now, Bill, was was that the actual grand prize? Is that what instead of prize money, oh. you just you get a sweet ass bandana? Is that Maybe. Is? Oh, yeah, that's true. They're sponsored, <laughs> sponsored Kumite. Yeah, sponsored by Harley Davidson. <laughs> I fought in Kumite, and all I got was this lousy bandana. And can yeah. we, and somebody give uh, Chong Lee some Zyrtec uh, or something, you know, for his, his poor. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. Got to clear that out first. You know, he's poor guy. He's just got allergies. It's dusty in there. The only other time I see that is uh, when I ran track in high school. Usually everyone would come to the starting line. They were always doing that. They would shoot the snot rockets. The, the, the snot rockets. Doesn't the he Lee do snot it rocket. in double impact? Yeah. Yep. Mm. I think he does. Because, uh, you know, Bolo Young, he's he's big on the homages. Because, like, you know, we, we, we mentioned earlier, Enter the Dragon. You know, I mean, you got him and um, Shidoshi. Whom Shidoshi I, Tanaka. Roy... Um, yeah, Roy, yeah, Roy Chong. Yes, Tanaka's, yes. Yeah, I mean, they're both in Enter the Dragon. I, I like that Bolo Young is using Bruce Lee dialogue from Enter the right. Dragon in this movie, you know, kind of making a play on it. So I thought that was kind of cool. I think despite a lot of what we've said or complained about, there is some, I, they put effort into this. It wasn't as if it was, there's some smart moments within the, the structure and story and, mm-hmm. and, and montages, especially with, I always like a good callback because everything that happens in the training montage, they call back to pretty much. Yeah. Whether it be the splits or the blindfolded, uh, because we, you know, he's blinded at the end, uh, mm-hmm. and then blocking Chong Lee's strike to his face, which he, we saw him do in the montage with Tanaka. It's, uh, you know, they, they figured it out. Yeah, it all comes together. You know, you get a lot of satisfaction of him making him say Mate. That's a, that's, a, I think that's a oh, good yeah. ender. He's like, instead of just making it, no, I'm going to make you say it, say it, say mercy. Go ahead. And I'm like, okay, that was pretty good. And humiliating for Chung Lee too. So I, I really like that. You know, something I, I was thinking about this, uh, cause you know, we've, we got a lot of Swiss cheese we've been talking about, you know, and some of our complaints really like when we talk about the opening, like why, why are these guys after him? Why can't he go fight in the, in the Kumite? I was just thinking like a simple thing would have been, you know, this, this petty officer just showing up and, and saying, Hey, sorry, captain, your furlough has been canceled you know we got a situation something you know just cancel his furlough it's not that he's not allowed to leave they just don't want him to go to fight in the kumite so then you could have had you know uh forrest whitaker and norma burton like called in like hey go get him now he's kind of like you know he, he's gone awol i think that would have made a lot more sense than sure they just don't want him fighting in a in a tournament you know but sheldon Ledich, um who wrote this you know it's, it's not like he's writing Academy Award stuff, you know, he, he did, he wrote a couple Van Damme movies. I know he did Rambo three, but just doing that is a big fix right from the get go and helps this movie out a lot. Yeah. That's a good point. Up the stakes a little bit more. Yeah. Make it seem like he's, he's going AWOL because he wants to be in this tournament so bad. Yeah. At least then, you know, after he assaults four or five Hong Kong police officers, there's a situation where it's like, well, look, we know he did something terrible, but we have jurisdiction. He's a, he's a military prisoner. We're taking him back. Something make it a little bit more believable. Yeah. All right. Any other cheese or complaints? Move on. Hello, this is Jason, co-host of the All 80s Movies Podcast, with a message from Factor Meals. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer, thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. 
Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you will always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you will always have new flavors to explore. Treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 and use code 80smovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code 80smovies50 at factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. If we have anybody left, so let's move on to, hey, it's that actor. All right. So in this segment, we spotlight a character actor who's seen in many other films, an actor making their big screen debut, or an actor that makes an uncredited cameo. It's, hey, it's that actor. Jeff and Brad, is there anybody left we haven't talked about that we can focus on for hey it's that actor i mean tanaka is lao shay from indiana jones and the yes. temple of doom mm-hmm. so i thought that was kind of kind of cool and um oh so the guy that plays the the general telling them you know why do you want to stop the kumite he later shows up as one of the main bad guys in double impact but that's the only thing i've seen him in Oh, you're talking about the, poli- the Hong yeah. Kong He plays guy? Uh, yeah. like one of the main bad guys from Double Impact. It's just the only way I remember him, which makes sense because I think Sheldon Littich did Double Impact. Yep. Is this the best Von Damme movie? No. What's the best Von Damme movie? I think Bill and I actually agree on this one. But uh, Bill, you can take it if you want. This is my second favorite. I like Time Cop. Time Cop's great. Yes. I was wanting someone <laughs> to say Time that's, Cop. Yeah. That's mine as well. Time Cop yeah. is a stellar time travel movie. Time Cop for the win. Bloodsport is the runner-up. Yes. Okay. Wow, okay. are we all really? in agreement on that? All in agreement, Time yeah. Cop's a great, oh, Time Cop is a great movie. It's just, well, it does have the best mullet of all time and Ron Silver in the movie, yeah. too. I mean... Lovely Mira Sara. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh yeah. Sorry, wrong. that's that's uh, that's the number one seed. I I totally yep. buried the lead there. Sorry, Mia Sara. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? Sloan mm-hmm. is in that movie. Like, Sloan, but it's a yep. good. The time travel aspect of it, I don't want to say makes sense, but it 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 works in the same way that like Back to the Future works and stuff. Like, okay, that would make sense of a ripple, you know, going through time. I just think it's a very clever film. Yeah, yeah. When Ron Silver gets the scar, yeah, that was cool. Yes. All right, so let's move on to facts and trivia. What are some facts and trivia we have not stepped on already that we could still share on Bloodsport? Anybody got anything? Well, I do know that basically the inspiration for the Mortal Kombat video game was this film, you know, and they basically made the Johnny Cage character look as similar to Frank Dukes in the movie as possible down to the shorts and, you know, the haircut and some of the moves that he does. So thanks to Bloodsport, we got one of the funnest fighting games of all time. Well, we've alluded to to Frank Dukes in his credibility. We get that, that shot at the end. Like, he's got this the world record for the fastest kick, the world record for the fastest knockout, world record for 56 consecutive knockouts in the Kumite. And, you know, everyone, like this legend of Frank Dukes, and, you know, we know now, 20, 30 years later, the guy was, it was a complete fabrication. You know, he claimed to be a, an undercover CIA agent. He claimed to be a Kumite champion. And now everyone has kind of, you know, figured out like he, he lied his way, you know, into Hollywood. He just, not, nothing he said was, was ever true aside from just being, uh, as Jason said, uh, you know, he was, uh, he was in the, the Marine Reserves, I think, or something like that. And that's right. There is no real world records for Frank Dukes, but I'll give him credit. You know, he's, 
very believable to to pull something like this yeah. off. So yeah, because when the first line said it won three hundred and twenty nine Kumite matches in five years, I was like, holy shit! How many times did they fight over those three right. days? Yeah, to do three. I was trying to do the math. All right, that's got to be bullshit. And yeah. then when I looked it up and saw that, oh, okay, I I felt a little bit better. At the beginning of the of the of the of the tournament, they say we meet every five years. Okay, well, if it's happening once every five years, how are you fighting three hundred twenty nine times? Yeah. Doesn't nothing adds up. No, Jason, anything for facts or trivia that we haven't talked about? I think you know you kind of covered the the bulk of it here. I was just going to echo, I think, what Jeff was saying about you know we're talking about Frank Dukes and the validity of his what he stated as his past and co-writer Sheldon Ledich. This is from it's either Wikipedia or IMDb. He had come up with the idea for the film from Frank Dukes. Here's the the quote. I had known Frank Dukes for a number of months before I came up with the idea for Bloodsport. Frank told me a lot of tall tales, most of which turned out to be bullshit. But his stories about participating in the so-called Kumite event sounded like a great idea for a movie. There was one guy who he introduced me to named Richard Bender, who claimed to have actually been at the Kumite event and who swore everything Frank told me was true. A few years later, this guy had a falling out with Frank and confessed to me that everything he told me about the Kumite was a lie. Frank had coached him in what to say. So that's a little bit of the background straight from the mouth of uh, Sheldon Ledich, co-writer. Yeah, also producer Mark DeSalle said uh, he was looking for a new martial arts star who was a ladies' man. Uh, Von Damme appeals to both men and women. He's an American hero who fights for justice the American way and kicks the stuffing out of the bad guys. Love it. Um, so, yeah, for box office for Bloodsport, um, it went into limited release in the United States on February 26, 1988. And then in wide release on April 29th, 1988 in 784 theaters on an estimated budget of one and a half to $2 million and made $11.8 million domestically, but close to totaling $50 million worldwide for its wide release. It ended up only number seven at the box office. Uh, Bloodsport would stay in the top 10 for another week, but the movie really took off in the U.S. once it hit the video rental market. And then as for reviews, um, Siskel and Ebert did not review the movie for the show. What a surprise. And other reviews were online. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes gives a tomato meter score of 46% and has an IMDb rating of 6.8. All right. So moving on, uh, before we wrap things up, uh, let's move on to additional thoughts or questions. Is there anything we have not covered about Bloodsport? It's a free-for-all right now. Anything you want to talk about? I mean, the movie introduced us to Van Damme. You know, we got a a string of fun movies, you know, with a say it what you will. He delivered when he needed to, you know, the, the films that he did were catered to him, you know. So, yeah, you weren't going to see Van Damme in a I'm looking for my son in a type of dark drama. But it worked, you know, his his films worked as. I mean, Kickboxer is literally just a remake, I feel, of this film. Oh, yeah. The same thing with, like, Lionheart. It wasn't until he started to do a couple different films where he got to do something else besides being some kind of tournament. And that, I think, took him into those early 90s types of films. And it brought martial arts back in the 80s. It kind of disappeared from a while. You know, we Chuck Norris had kind of toned down the martial arts and went more straight action star. So it was fun to get fun martial arts again it looked cool when this you know like i said he flipped in the air and all that stuff so yeah i mean it delivered that it's a part of all of our childhood no matter how bad people think the movie is it's always gonna have a special place for i'm sure all of our hearts no matter what we're all still gonna love it 
Yeah, he. I mean, he did have a yeah. pretty good ten year run from Bloodsport up until mm-hmm. the the quest. The quest is when you're mm-hmm. kind of like, okay, what's going on here? And then everything was yeah. just straight to Times video. Times you know. It was it was nineties, mid nineties. Things were changing, you know. So a lot of those guys suffered from that. Schwarzenegger and Stallone and those guys suffered from that too because the movies were changing. Yeah, his movies were the king of late night cable. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cyborg. I don't know how many times I saw Cyborg at two o'clock in the morning in my college or, or mm-hmm. high school years. I enjoyed him. If there's one thing I could say about the legacy of this film, it's two things. First off, we got a non-Van Damme sequel, Bloodsport 2, the next Kumite in like the mm-hmm. mid-90s, which we all need to check out because Donald Gibb is back as uh, Jackson. And uh, and this time you got James Hong. You know, Lopan himself oh, is in it. And the, which uh, the hero, who I, I can't remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the hero himself is uh, his Shidoshi is played by none other than uh, Pat Morita. So I- I'm giving you Pat Morita and James Hong and Donald Gibb in, in a Bloodsport movie. You got to check it out. So did you see it? I have. I <laughs> it's it's worth seeing. Okay, just just for the names I just for the names I mentioned. All right. If you if you enjoy the first one, you'll enjoy the second one. There's no Van Dam. I knew there was a second one. I didn't realize there was four. I was like, holy crap, there's four of these. Yeah. But, uh, and then think about this too. I'll give a, I'll give an unsolicited plug, uh, a non paid advertisement for him, but, uh, Contenders Clothing, who I don't know if you guys, yeah. know, Brad yeah, knows who I'm about, about yeah. to, uh, what I'm talking about, but, uh, Contenders Clothing does like really good athletic, uh, you know, boxer briefs, t shirts, that kind of stuff. You know, they, they get behind a lot of, uh, actual fighters, but they also have some fun, um, movie themed lines for their stuff. Uh, they've done, They've done the WWE stuff. They've done Top Gun. They've done Rocky. Uh, they also have a Bloodsport line of boxer briefs. Uh, I'm happily wearing a pair right now. My, I'm wearing the the Kumite ones. Uh, you you got to check them out because they're like underoos for adults, honestly. Uh, you know, the fact that I've got a pair of underwear that has Chong Lee on it getting kicked by Van Damme, that's one of my favorite pairs. I'm just going to say it. So. <laughs> and I couldn't have that. Without this movie, I just so. have my Harley Davidson bandana wrapped around my uh, leg underneath my pants. So that's what I got. <laughs> oh, we we wear it, don't we? We literally wear it. Our fandom, that is. Yes. I have to say one of my favorite lines in the movie, it kind of gave me a fist pump. And this is just because it's a complaint we've had in our other films. It's when military office goes to get Dukes and he comes back without him. And then his commander goes, I don't want to see your face again until Duke's face is beside it. And I was like, yes, because one of my biggest points about movies is when they're trying to go find someone and they keep coming back to tell their boss, we haven't found him yet. I'm like, (laughs) no shit. (laughs) Don't come back until you find him. So the fact that this commander actually said, do not come back until I see your face with Dukes. I love that. I was like, yes. That's good writing right there. I applaud it. That was good writing. Oh, that's yeah. classic. And this movie's got a lot of quotable lines that are just hilarious. You know, you look like a Jackson, you know, what kind of a game, you know, just there's so many quotes that I think we subconsciously use and not realize that we're using them. I, I know me and Jeff do when we talk, <laughs> you know, we, we, you know, said blood sport lines back and forth just as much as we've done big trouble, little China lines. So yeah, it's, it's a fun quotable movie. Yeah. Some additional thoughts. I wanted to give a shout out to my great friend way back from high school. His name is Alan Noon. And as far as I know, he's currently uh, a higher up at the Epic Games video game company. And Alan Noon happens to look exactly like Jeff Johnson. 
I'm not joking. He could be your brother. And so could his younger brother, Robert Noon. You guys would just, yeah, you'd get along probably famously. They're big fans of 80s films and video games. And that's why I'm talking about Alan Noon, because he's worked in the video game industry for a long time. He used to work for Midway but way back in the day. But then he ended up working for, I don't know if it was still Midway or another company, but he was working on the Street oh, Fighter man. movie. In 1994, Ooh, wow. starring who else but Jean-Claude Van Damme. So he got to work with Van Damme briefly nice. because he was working on translating the video game into the movie. So he was like, there's kind of a consultant, if I'm not mistaken. Al, call me up if I'm wrong. Correct me. Email me. Uh, Facebook me, man. Or uh, tweet at us. But uh, I also wanted to mention years later, I don't know if you uh, remember this, Bill Bant, but here's the Mortal Kombat connection. We went to a screening of the premiere of when they were making Mortal Kombat into a streaming series, I believe, or it was to be on YouTube, starring none other than Casper Van Dien in, in the uh, Johnny Cage role. Uh, so a little Mortal Kombat connection. We got a great photo with him, which was really cool. He obviously was more of a like 90s star, but... So that was cool. Um, yeah, and I just wanted to, you know, give a shout out to a couple, you know, again, the fighting in the scene or this movie is really what it's all about. And there was a couple of moments I didn't mention earlier. Uh, we, we talked about the nut punch scene, which is one of my favorites. Also, there's another scene where he's fighting a tall African-American guy who's threatening to kill him before the fight even begins. The bout then begins and he knocks him out with two moves, which is amazing. But that final scene or excuse me, fight scene between Dukes and Chong Lee is just the ultimate because he gets blinded with the crushed salt pills. And that's, I'm calling that out because just for, for years, I did this with my friends in the backyard, whether it be Chris, Pat, whom else, Bill, Marwan, all of our film buddies from my film buddies, my high school buddies, Rob, Brian, all, you know who you are, Mike Tolly. We would be in the backyard and pretend to have somebody throw crushed salt pills in our eyes and then just do the the palms. Now, the the listeners can't see me, but I'm yeah. putting like the base of my palms to my eyes and rubbing them and doing the Van Damme scream, the ah, <laughs> in slow motion with shaking the, the, the head back and forth in slow motion. Because he does that weird like scream where it's that instead of in classic uh, martial arts films, you hear like, you know, we do the, the hi-ya or whatever, but for Van Damme, it's always the, ah, and there's that after with the and then like the after, open. like, like one, it's like, uh, <laughs> like one more, just to yeah. the follow up. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you called that out, Brad, because in, I always did the, when he gets the, uh, the pills in the eyes, he does the, ah uh, thing, but he actually screams brutally. He goes, ah, and yeah. then it's the after. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's calming yeah. down. Just he's calming like, down. Ah. He's focusing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Can't get enough. Jason did that a ton in college. I'm not even gonna lie about that. I, I can testify to that. He would do that do over and over again. Down, like crouched yeah. down, like. Anything else before we move on? All right. So it's time to give this movie a rating. So here on the All Eighties Movies Podcast, we use a five star rating system, with zero stars being the worst and five stars being the best, and half star increments are allowed. Since Brad and Jeff picked this movie today, it might be safe to assume we're gonna give it high marks but will Jason and I agree? So Jeff, why don't you start us off with your rating for Bloodsport? I want to be fair, but I also want to be firm. So I will say I will give it three stars because it's not winning any Academy Awards, obviously, but that's not why we're watching it. It's 
it's a great rewatchable. It's always fun. You know, we grew up, you know, imitating it just like Jason was with his buddies in the backyard. Uh, yeah. So for that, and anytime it's on cable, I'm probably going to stop and be like, oh, okay. Where, you know, it, beginning, middle, end, I, I don't care. I'll leave it on. So I'll go three. Brent? I concur with Jeff. Uh, three stars. Uh, the acting's not good. The script isn't good, but it makes up for it with screen presence, uh, movie star quality, and fantastic fight choreography. Like Jason said, th- this film is all about the fight choreography. It looks good. It looks like it hurts at sometimes, like a lot. So yeah, it's three stars for that because as cheesy as it is, it still kept me entertained as I was watching it the other night. It still has something. Uh, Jason? I'm in uh, a gr- total agreement. I concur. I gave this a three solid, solid splits stars. You guys nailed it. I mean, we are talking about it now, and this has been an absolute pleasure. A film by Jeff and Brad. You guys are bigger. It, like, it's so much fun to talk about this movie. Mm-hmm. So, like Brad said, isn't doesn't that just make it worth it right there? It's, it's totally entertaining. Von Damme looks great. He's got the moves. He's got the buns. This flick's got ultimate cult status. It's up there, man. And it's got that theme song, Kumite, Kumite. You can't get it out of your head. I know it's a complaint of Brad's, but I, I understand. At first, at least, you like it when you hear it, and then it goes on and on. But it fulfills all the 80s action, 90s action fight movie tropes, but on a level which makes it the perfect good, bad movie. And But hold on. There's good, bad movies, but this is a great, bad movie. You, you can't get mad at it. It's too simple to sweat the small stuff. The writing is laughable in moments, but the structure, it's all still smart in a sneaky kind of way. And I have absolute fun with it. Just like you guys said, it's not annoying bad. It's great bad. It's, so much of it is unintentionally funny, totally entertaining. The fight scenes are great. It was great as a kid. It's a great rewatch now. Can't get enough of Van Damme screams. I love this movie. Three solid stars for me. How about you, Bill Bant? Wow, usually I'm the oddball when we have a guest on. I'm, I'm always something different, not consensus, but I am consensus. Three stars also. This is a movie, don't need to watch Act 1, just go into 2 and 3. Just once I get to Hong Kong, just watch the rest of it if you've never seen it before. The action, I think, is still great. I think the fight scenes are awesome. It's like old, old school MMA before it got all regulated and stuff, and that's what I kind of like about it. Um, yes, the acting is terrible, but... There's so many fights in this movie and they're all good. There's not one fight I did not like. There was something about every fight that they had that I enjoyed and I could have watched just mm-hmm. two hours of them fighting. Oh, I wish the Kumite was real <laughs> just to watch like a documentary on the Kumite. Yeah. I want to know more about it. <laughs> it's a solid three and it's a, a really good start to really knowing who Van Damme is and, and his career. So I give it three stars. Wouldn't that be great if the Criterion Collection released like a 4K oh. edition with a documentary on the Kumite? Which that would be great. About yeah, <laughs> a yes. DVD, uh, <laughs> like with a full-on commentary with JCVD. Now, did you it. ever see yes. that movie, oh, JCVD? Yeah. I have not yet. I watched his reality show for a bit, which was a trip, but I Watch never saw the JCVD. Uh, it's not a documentary. It's a, film, a film where he Sorry. plays himself, yeah. but it is really good. And you will see... That oh, John Clyde right. Van that's Damme right. can actually act really well. Oh, cool. All right. So, Brad and Jeff, thank you so much for being on our show. Why don't you take a moment to plug your excellent podcast and let the audience know how they can listen to you? I appreciate that, Bill. A Film by Podcast is streaming pretty much anywhere and everywhere. You can always check us out at www.afilmbypodcast to answer uh we we answer questions you can get on the mailing list you can you can find out about new episodes 
We also love interacting with people on social media. Uh, you can check us out. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at a film by podcast. And uh, always, you can always contact us uh, a film by podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we got, uh, we're in our fourth season now, um, have, uh, had some fun. We, you know, re- not too long ago, we got to talk to, uh, a great director, uh, did a special project on, uh, the lovely Valerie Perrine. We got a lot of fun stuff happening. You know, we've got our, our special limited series now is a, a film at 45 where we're celebrating the, uh, the 45th anniversary of movies from 1978 with, uh, our featured talent, uh, David and Scott, lots to check out. And, uh, we would love to love to hear from y'all. So, uh, let us know. Yeah, I really enjoyed your 86 series uh, last season. I probably caught most of those. And the the one thing I love is even though we're t- some of the movies overlapped, it's just great to hear a different spin on mm-hmm. different takes of different movies. So it's great stuff. So I think that about wraps up this week's episode. As always, thank you so much for listening. Thanks again to Jeff and Brad for joining us today. Please check out and follow the A Film By podcast. Also, please take the time to follow, give us a review, and rate us at the All 80s Movies Podcast. If you want to reach out, you can email us at all80smoviespodcast at gmail.com. Please send your feedback, questions, or recipes to share. You can visit us at all80smoviespodcast.com. Next week, we'll be discussing Thief, starring James Caan. Until then, have a totally great week, everyone. Once you step out of the sunlight into the narrow corridors, it's time to protect your nuts, guys. Thanks for staying up with us. Good night, world. <laughs>